Hey everyone, welcome to season four, episode five of the Drone to 1K podcast. I'm your host, David Young, and I'm excited today because we are hosting a conversation with um, Jeff Carrillo of Torillo View. Uh, he does thermal inspections and more. So Jeff and I first met about 10 or 15 years ago. We were acquaintances. We had some mutual friends. We all went on a trip together about 10 or 15 years ago after high school, and we didn't really talk since then. Uh, and then uh, I found out just through the grapevine that he had started a drone business. Because um, when you're you know, doing things in the drone world, everybody's like, oh, you know what? So-and-so has a drone or a drone company you guys should meet. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I figured he had started something small um, or just had drones and liked them, something like that. But I forgot about it. And Jeff ended up moving back to our hometown. And we were talking, or we got reconnected by someone. And I found out he actually started this really awesome business using uh, thermal uh, cameras on drones to, and became a licensed thermographer and was doing all this really cool commercial inspection work um, with a really successful drone company. I was like, well, dude, this is awesome. I got to get you on the podcast. So um, we've become really good friends since he's moved back uh, to Lakeland, where I'm from. So I'm really excited to get him on the podcast and share uh, his experience of going from nothing uh, to a very successful six-figure drone company um, doing something on the inspection side in thermography, uh, something a little different than sometimes we hear on the podcast, which is uh, we get a lot of people on the real estate and video production. That's great, but there's this other side to drones where you can do inspection work, um, mapping, things like that. So excited to share that story. There's also um, one part of the story just to tell you to, to hang in there and listen to. Um, that was one of my favorite parts is when uh, Jeff decided to put $30,000 on a credit card to buy a huge drone and that was his like fuel for the fire to make sure he could work to get it paid off. It was either 30 or 50K. I'll have to listen back to the episode. Um, but I just thought that was a really gutsy move. And, um, and you can hear in the episode how he managed to, uh, to work through that year, which was a little bit difficult. But now he's got this great business um, and hear what he has to do. So uh, a few reminders before we start. Um, if you want a free shirt, leave a review for our podcast. Um, let us know what you think, good, bad, um, if you're enjoying it leave a comment, screenshot your review, and email it to me and Jorge. Jorge is our uh, student support person, also does a lot of stuff with curriculum. Uh, his email is uh, j-o-r-g-e at dronelaunchacademy.com. My email is david at dronelaunchacademy.com. Shoot us an email with your screenshot of your review, and we will send you a t-shirt uh, just to say thanks for taking the time. Uh, we want it to be an honest review, though, not trying to bribe you to give us a five-star review or anything. Just be honest what you think. Um, if it was helpful, we'd love to hear from you. Um, also, every week we're doing a little trivia game. Uh, there's a link either in the email that this podcast came in or below the YouTube video uh, in the description. If you click that, answer one question about the podcast and uh, just to make sure that you listen to it uh, and you'll be entered to win some free swag, hat, a shirt, a free course, or I think a coffee mug um, are the options. We pick four winners every week. Um, so just answer that question, make sure you got it right. Um, tell us which one of those you want, uh, and we'll pick four winners every week. Just a little way of saying thanks. But you have to listen to the podcast episode in the very first week it comes out. It's our way of rewarding our uh, most dedicated people who are listening to this uh, every week as it's coming out. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Here is Jeff Carrillo. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Drone to 1K podcast. I'm here with Jeff Carrillo of Torillo View, uh, drone business focusing a lot in thermal roof inspections, things like that. So excited to have Jeff on the podcast today since uh, I feel like a lot of what we get on our podcast are media companies, real estate, all that stuff, which is good to hear about. But, um, you know, sometimes it's nice to switch it up and hear from people that are doing 
non-advertising media-based work. You yeah, know, it's so. unique. Yeah, exactly. Um, we get a lot of people that say, yeah, real estate's good, but I don't want to work with real estate agents, and I don't want to do that stuff. I just want to do mapping, or I just want to do inspections, or whatever. So, um, pumped to have you on the podcast today. Appreciate it, man. Pumped yeah. to be here. Yeah. Um, normally, I start these off just by getting some background on you, um, how you started your company, how all that came to be. So, you and I, we've chatted a little bit uh, previously, but take us from the beginning. How did you even get into drones to begin with? All right. So, I am from Central Florida, Lakeland. I moved to Dallas about seven years ago and actually just recently moved back. So in Dallas is where the idea was born. Um, my background is in finance and insurance. For a while there I was doing aviation insurance as a broker and during that time I insured a couple companies that started utilizing drones in different ways and it just kind of got my wheels turning a little bit. So. That relationship with the company doing the insurance stuff wasn't really working out and I didn't see a long-term future in it. So I saw an opportunity to launch the business. It's been an interesting ride. It's been, let's see, that was back in 2015. So we're coming up somewhere around six year mark now. Mm. And I started it with a business partner. So my last name is Carrillo with a C. My uh, former business partner's last name is Tallarico. Thus, the marriage of Tarillo View. Yeah, I was gonna say when I first saw your name, I was like, it's kind of like his last name, but not. <laughs> and I was wondering where it came from. Yeah, it's the most confusing thing to explain to people, and they always ask, like, your last name's Carrillo, Tarillo, like, yeah, and then I have to go into it. <laughs> just be like, I want to change it just a little bit. Yeah, but I never rebranded because my SEO and online marketing stuff was already somewhat established and I thought I would be shooting myself in the foot to rebrand at the point that I would have needed to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, we initially launched the business with the vision of being a broker for the industry. Mm -hmm. So we would help connect drone operators and drone companies and pilots with jobs and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And we didn't start out with a lot of money and it just, the first year was not going well. So we very quickly transitioned to buying our own drone and then doing those job opportunities that we got ourselves because we realized rather than making a small percentage by feeding it out, we could make 100% and yeah. hopefully I'll make this thing work a yeah. little bit in the beginning. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, honestly, the first year was just not good. <laughs> our focus was more of doing the marketing related stuff. We did a little construction progress. Uh, we did a little real estate. We're kind of trying to like figure out where we wanted to go. Within that year, I had learned and understood the direction I wanted to go was more inspection focused, mm -hmm. but I completely ran out of money. Mm -hmm. Can't do much if you don't have money. Yeah, I was gonna say, I bet some people can probably, uh, can probably relate to that, you know, because yeah. it's some of that inspection stuff is much more investment heavy, right? As whereas if you want to do some media commercial stuff for people, you just need Mavic Air 2, 800 bucks and you're good to go, you know? Yeah, totally. So I, the business partnership dissolved. I still maintained ownership of the company because I still saw a future in it. Mm -hmm. I got a job doing commercial real estate property management. Uh, I think we managed about a million square feet of like office space. So real quick, so during this time, were you doing the business on the side? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was doing it on the side. 
it wasn't making a ton of money because it was like on the side and like doing commercial real estate stuff, man, it's a lot of time. It it's took a, good, yeah. a lot. So you're managing like office space? Yeah, office space, manning, I was manning two maintenance crews and two construction crews for doing like new build outs of spaces and stuff. Oh, okay, so a lot of And activity. yeah, during that time, I was involved a lot in our roof repair and replacements on some of the buildings that we had to have done. Okay. So I got to learn a lot about the roofing industry during that time. I was gonna say, it sounds like you had like a really nice setup for a drone business because you did aviation insurance, so you got some contacts there, and then you're doing like kind of commercial real estate management stuff. Mm -hmm. so. Yep, so I, I got some great contacts out of that for the business. So basically after a year of the real estate stuff, I relaunched per okay. se. Yeah. So. I had more money saved up, but still not a ton. So I took a pretty big risk. Well, it was a it was a nominal risk if you really think about it. I took out like forty or fifty thousand uh, dollars in a loan on a no interest credit card, and <laughs> I bought a Matrice two ten RTK, so like the version one, mm -hmm. with a thermal imager, the X five S with a zoom capable camera and a bunch of batteries, and then had a little extra money to use for marketing and stuff. So and what, said, did, what did that setup cost you in total? The, the RTK Matrice with the both sensors, and what, I don't remember what else you said. Came I from. think I spent about 30 grand on it. 30,000. Yeah. So explain to people what RTK is, because they might not know what that is. So RTK I mean, as like, DJI. You know, pretty simple. Yeah, so basically, R when you're working around like power lines and a lot of electricity, electromagnetic field interference and stuff, you, you can get a lot of interference with your drone's ability to communicate with the remote controller, right? So RTK, there's two different kinds of RTK. DJI's version of the RTK is basically kind of like a secondary uh, communication system for your remote to be able to con communicate with your drone even when there's a lot of electromagnetic interference around. Mm -hmm. I had gotten that because that drone was capable of doing everything mm -hmm. when I was still throwing a big cast net and trying to figure out what my niche was going to be. Gotcha. Now did you do it because I know a lot of people use RTK for like mapping stuff to get more accurate like yeah. uh, GPS data, like waypoint or you know data points and stuff. Did you do mapping stuff with it? Or? I did mapping stuff, but here's the thing: DJI art <laughs> advertised it that it was capable of doing that, mm -hmm. but that was not actually what it was designed for. No. So it was more for the controller redundancy. Yeah, kind of thing? exactly. Okay. So their RTK is not your traditional mapping and geospatial RTK. Okay, gotcha. Unfortunately. So that's the one. Right. Okay. So now though, DJI has, I think the Phantom 4 is designed with RTK to where you can do that precise mapping. Gotcha. So it's different. Okay, that's different than the Matrice RTK because right. I was familiar with the Phantom RTK. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So I was sold on that because I was, I had started working with some land surveyors and started doing some aerial mapping related work and it was not capable of doing that. Were they the ones that are like, this is not gonna work? Or did how did that how did you figure that out? So like I use drone deploy a lot for my processing mm -hmm. and it'll give you an idea. You can process reports that tell you like how accurate you are, mm -hmm. whether you're using ground control points or not, or using RTA captured images. Mm -hmm. And the accuracy, you know, you should be able to get one to three centimeters of true ground level accuracy with RTK and ground point, ground control point setups. Mm -hmm. And I was getting like 
foot. Foot? Oh. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I thought that would be. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So then after you dig into it and talk to DJI, even though their marketing materials like would say RTK, like for mapping and stuff, it was like, it was not that. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, that's a bit of a bummer. But it seems like it worked out okay for you in the end because I know okay. you're doing really well now. Yeah. So, okay, sorry. I didn't mean to sidebar us too much there. So <laughs> you got, whatever, 30K into this. RTK thermal with a zoom lens Matrice and so you got this so what was your I mean that seems like a pretty for someone who probably doesn't have a ton in savings at this point in their life and probably a couple of thousand dollars yeah and they go you know 40 50k uh, I guess you said you had 12 months of zero interest mm -hmm. so you kind of have like a 12 month clock ticking yep. making a major expenditure it seems like that would be pretty um, panic inducing or like risky feeling you know how how did that work for you? Like, yeah. were you nervous or what? Oh yeah, not to mention, like that was our first year, my first year being married. <laughs> no pressure. So no pressure. Yeah. Um, but my wife is awesome. She is like so patient and just willing to, like she saw the vision, she knew what we needed to do and she was willing to just do it. Like I think I said a year, I was like, look, if we can figure this out in a year, great. If not, the risk is low. I can sell the drone and pay off whatever debt's left. Okay, so you were kind of confident in the resale value. Yeah, okay. I figured within a year, if nothing new came out, that I would have been fine, and I, I would have been fine. Yeah. I mean, take like a 20% or a 30% cut because it's used equipment or something. Mm -hmm. But So you're thinking in your head, like total exposure is like 10 to 15 grand of lost money. Maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's well, worth the risk to me. Sure, I think that's a good way to look at it too, instead of just only looking at the downside, looking at, okay, if everything goes bad, you know, like what, is, what are my options? I've wasted some time and here's estimated like my max money, but what's the upside? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it could be great. So I think that's a, if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, I don't know, or if you're wanting to kind of invest in something like this, um, you know, I think it's a good way to look at it. Also, I don't know, do you, was it added benefit, if you want to call it that, that you had a large investment and a clock ticking, like to kind of motivate you, you know? Heavy driver, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so let's see, I don't know the exact timeline, but I think I bought the drone in November. I got my thermographer. November of which year? Uh, let me think. I think it would have been November of 2016. Okay. And then I got my thermographer certification in maybe January of 17. And then from there, if I wasn't doing a project and making money, like all I was doing was like marketing and sending out emails, uh, connecting with people on LinkedIn, creating blogs for the website, just doing everything I could myself because I had the time, didn't have as much money. So you had quit your job at this point, right? Oh yeah, so like it was right around November of 16 that I had left the company I was working with. Okay, and then did you buy the drone first and then quit or? Quit and then buy the drone. Quit and then bought the drone. <laughs> was, that, was that a pretty close? It was like within the same couple days. Oh, okay. Like so you're just this like... was formulated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you quit, you bought the drone, and then you're just going all in. Yeah. Cool. So how, before you bought the drone, quit your job, got your thermographer license or, um, you know, certification, did you do any of this type of work, inspection work, anything before that? Or were you just like, I'm buying the stuff and I'm going in starting now? I don't think we did really any inspection work. Maybe I had done like a residential roof with just like RGB imaging, regular imagery, mm -hmm. but nothing, this thermal imaging stuff was all completely new. Gotcha. 
So you just you were all the chips pushing in the military. Yeah, poker. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So from when you, I guess this was like November-ish time frame. You said. Mm-hmm. So from then, I mean, you sound like you were work, you trying to do everything you could, marketing and, and getting certifications. Um, at what point did you land your first kind of like inspection job, like where you're utilizing that drone, you know, or even really even any job? You know, I didn't land my first thermal roof scan until March. March. Okay, so that's what, like four months? Yeah, okay. <laughs> it took me a lot of, so like getting out marketing, cold calls, doing the email campaigns, doing LinkedIn stuff, and that came from, so I had reached out to a lot of consultants and engineers. They okay. specialize in doing like building envelope and, and roof remediation, repair, new installation, design work and everything. Mm-hmm. and. I don't actually don't know exactly where it came from, but it was supposedly referral from one of those consultants to a roofing company that was in litigation on getting a roof claim paid mm. by the insurance company, and they needed thermography done on it. So that was my first job. Okay. Fortunately, I had met some crucial people when I did my thermographer certification mm. who were willing and uh, very open to mentoring me and helping me a little mm. bit. Okay. So, I'll be honest, I was a nervous wreck doing that because I'm like freaking litigation. You're like, right. I'm going to court. I'm, they're going to eat me alive. <laughs> <laughs> Deep end of the water there. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was a really tough roof inspection. Like, honestly, that might be one of the harder ones that I've done to date still. Really? Yeah. But fortunately... At least everything got easier from there. Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> um, we never went to court over it. I assume okay. it got resolved because that's been like three years. Okay. I would hope it got resolved by now. So ba- w- with the deliverable, you doing your inspection, providing a report to them, and then that was kind of the end of it for you? More or less. Um, basically, my job was to identify in the roof where we suspected the presence of moisture mm-hmm. and using the thermographer network that I had to help me interpret the data that we collected in the field we were able to process something that we collectively felt confident in okay so it's nice that you had other people that you at least you felt knew more than you in that space okay and i never told the client that that was my first job and he still doesn't know it and i've still done more business for them okay (laughs) well you know as if you're even if you don't have that previous i think that's really important right you don't that was your first job However, you know, this is like any service job where you're, you know, because I used to do accounting work and forensic accounting, right? Like I did a forensic accounting engagement and um, my first one, I'm like, I don't really, I mean, I know what I'm doing, but I'm, you know, but I had a ton of people who knew a lot more than me and I was hitting them up and saying, hey, what do you think about this? What is this? And that brings your collective, you know, job knowledge um, of all the knowledge that's going into that work up, right? So you can feel comfortable about that. So I think that's that's important. I think it's crucial. I mean, when you're learning something, you don't want to be totally independent and learning on a job like that. When the moment you actually get sucked into a court case, those lawyers will literally eat you alive and you will debunk like that whole case and it would not be good now have you ever gone to court and and litigation from no i've been deposed a couple of times and they never ended up officially going to court because they settled at the last minute so i've been close a couple times oh it's nerve-wracking now i'm assuming you can like bill your time for if you have to go to court and test you can usually bill depending on your experience and how well you can really handle yourself in the situation you can charge up to like a couple hundred $300 an hour for your time on that stuff. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, cool. So let's let's rewind again a little bit. I mean, I was kind of interested in that stuff. So you did. So your first job, you didn't know a ton, but you got it through. Well, first off, you were able to you were able to complete the job through the network that you've built doing training stuff, and then you got the job through. You said some people you had reached out to. Now, do you know um, which activities that you had done? What you had mentioned LinkedIn, cold calls, emails. I think know? it came from my email campaign because I would send out a lot of introductory emails introducing myself, the company, and a little bit about what we do. And what I understand was the consultant forwarded my email and said, hey, call these guys to the roofer. And then they called me. And Okay. I was in Dallas. That project was in Houston, so had to drive or fly down there for it. Mm, okay. How far is Dallas from Houston for us? Um, three to four hours. So it's okay. like going to Miami from Lakeland or something. Okay, gotcha. Um, so talk a little bit about that. You know, some people, again, if they're just starting out, they may be wanting to get into inspection work or this kind of stuff. And I feel like this is a little bit more like B two B as opposed to some of the other stuff. Well, not not the other stuff's B two C, but if you're working for Realtors or things like that. It might be a different marketing strategy, um, whereas you know those seem to be a little bit more like oh, lots of stuff on social media, and you know I guess the networking is still the same, but so it's probably a different, a little bit, a little bit of a different approach since this is a higher value, lower volume potentially work. Yeah. Um, so what what would you or when you're first trying to talk about like your strategy as far as like email, LinkedIn, all that? Um. So let's see, I mean, sales and selling is definitely like a multi-step process. So one, you've got to like put something in front of somebody that sparks a little bit of interest. Mm -hmm. I mean, these days, at least the last couple of years since drone stuff became popular back in like 2014 in like the commercial sector, you put the word drone in something and people are like, oh, that's cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So that one is a huge help for our industry. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is like once you actually pique their interest and actually get a conversation with them, you better know what you're talking about, especially like with consultants and engineers, like they're just so detail oriented and like, they're just like, they want to know every little detail. So like they ask you the science behind thermography. Mm. So you better do your due diligence and like really learn as much as you can in that thermographer certification, for example, to understand why you're able to do what you do and know how it applies to different situations so like whenever somebody calls me after they initially get interest like that conversation that we have is probably probably the most important step because mm -hmm. they're feeling you out they want to make sure like you're legitimate and you're not just some other guy with a drone with like a cheap thermal camera it's like oh there's a deer over there you know <laughs> there's a deer over there yeah well because you know it is establishing like your credibility and you know what you're talking about too so um, but I think a lot of people don't even know how to get that. I mean, that, that conversation is important, but I think a lot of people don't even know how to get there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So talk about what you, what did you say? Like, how did you know who to send an email to? What did you say in the email? You know what I mean? Like what, that kind of stuff. So a lot of that I think comes from really thinking through your business model. So like, what can you do? What are the services you can offer? Think through who has a problem that you can solve with that service? So for me, doing the aerial thermal roof inspections is probably my number one, that's probably my number one niche. Mm -hmm. um, so thinking through that, it's like, all right, roofing industry. All right, there's a lot of people that own commercial buildings that probably leak. There's all kinds of storms. We live in Florida. There's 
storms every year that almost hit us at least. Um, so there's constantly damage. So that involves all kinds of insurance folks. So there's public insurance adjusters who represent the property owner. Then there's ins just regular insurance adjusters, I guess you could say that represent the insurance carrier and then the carrier. And then there's lawyers that are involved in it. And then there's engineers and consultants and roofing companies that are involved in that process. Mm -hmm. Boom, you've got your pool of prospects. Mm -hmm. Just thinking through that, right? Yep. So then you've got to figure out how to specifically target them. I mean, marketing and SEI, it's like one of my minors in college was marketing. I think I've learned more from trying to figure this out in the business than I did in college. <laughs> but <laughs> you usually learn 10 times as much by actually trying to do it than you yeah. do in a classroom. It's all like trial and error, especially if you're trying to do it yourself without bringing in a professional because you have a tight budget like yeah. I did. Mm -hmm. um, so the strategy I implemented was, so I thought lawyers, public adjusters, regular adjusters. I didn't really dabble much in the insurance carrier stuff because I think it's a little bit tougher to get in, but maybe that's like in my head. I don't know. Well, you're kind of connected with the adjusters anyways, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm fairly connected with like more of the public adjusters gotcha. than the independent adjusters. Um, anyway, so I researched like crazy. So I found organizations um, like it was originally RCI online. Now it's IBEC, which is an engineering consulting uh, network and educational program, if okay. you will. They're huge. Mm -hmm. You can look on their website and you can find every single engineer or consultant who has their registered uh, roofing. There's an RRO and an RRC. There's a registered roof observer and a registered roof consultant, which means basically they're involved in specifically roofing related work. Uh -huh. Found their name, where they work, their email address, their address, I got all their information. I spent so much time just making spreadsheets mm -hmm. like on Excel with all these people's contact information. Um, I think I did the same thing for, uh, I specifically did that in Texas and in Florida because that's where most of my network was being from Florida and currently living in Dallas mm -hmm. and Texas. Um, I did the same thing for the roofing industry and I would basically, I'd put together an introductory email called uh, drone thermal roof scans and just a little short paragraph about us and like how we could help them and just send it out to like everybody. Now, did you customize the emails as you were sending or just cop copy and paste and send it to everyone? Um, they were all individually emailed. Okay. So it wasn't like they didn't see like a blast email with a bunch of- No, there wasn't like a hundred emails all in one, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would probably get really mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of them were customized if like I could incorporate like what company they worked with, like, mm -hmm. oh no, she worked at Wisconsin Jenny or something like that. Sure. Um, but for the most part, it was pretty close to like the same language. Gotcha. So you could cost, if, if you could find a reason to put a little personal touch in there, you would, but otherwise just kind of yeah. send it out. Sure. Now how many, well, first off, I think that's a really good strategy. You're, you were very thoughtful and thinking through like, who exactly am I trying to reach? What problem am I solving for them? And like, what do they want to know from me? You know, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people, they don't maybe think through that as much. So they just think, I have a drone, somebody hire me for something, you know, <laughs> rather than like, hey, what is the specific problem that this person wants solved and how do I fit into that equation? Um, so how many emails do you think you sent out? 
Probably thousands, because I mean, I had months worth of time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's another good thing to realize. A lot of people will send like three emails and go, I got no response. You know, this isn't going to work for me. It is completely a numbers game. Like, I, I couldn't tell you because I didn't track it what my response was or how many clicks or opens I got or... I mean, I know I got responded emails and I got phone calls from it mm -hmm. and it was working. It is definitely a numbers game and it's usually a pretty small percentage response rate. Now real quick, if you don't mind sharing just so we can fast forward and say like, this is the work you did at the beginning, right? With, you know, somewhat little results, right? You know, you have to put in a lot of effort to get a little bit out. Baby step kind of thing. Would you mind sharing like a range of total revenue? I know you have other pilots working for you, equipment and stuff, but like a range of total revenue, like we're about where you're at now with your business. Um, we're about 200 to 250 right now. Okay, yeah. So for all the people listening that are complaining that they sent five emails and didn't get a response, this is the kind of work you have to put in at the beginning if you want to build a, you know, multiple six-figure business within the years ahead, you know? So um, I think that's good. Like, you put it in, you didn't quit because you, <laughs> you had a $50,000 drone to pay off or 40000 yeah. Yeah, I do good with a little bit of fire under me. You know? Yeah, <laughs> well, I think most people would, yeah. So, all right, sorry. I just wanted to at least paint that picture for people. Yeah. So they, because a lot of them think, you know, I just feel like people give up too easily and they don't see what's the potential and what is required at the beginning, you know, sure. so... Um, so cool. Sorry. So you're sending out thousands of emails. You're cold calling. How did the cold calling go? I only, one of my favorite clients came from that, but I made a lot of calls and couldn't get through a lot of receptionists yeah. and it was really tough. Yeah. I, the one client I finally got, I called them somewhere between eight and 10 times. Okay. They kept telling me I needed to talk to this one guy and he would never take my call. And he left. I don't know exactly. Like left the business? He left. He's working for another company that I was also working on trying to get my foot in the door with. Okay. Who I've gotten referral business from, but I've never actually done business for. But anyways, so he left. And then I think it was my eighth or maybe ninth call. Uh, they're like, oh, he left. You need to talk to the owner of the company. I'm like, oh, well, great. That sounds awesome. Yeah, why did we do this the first time? Right. <laughs> so I finally got to... He's like, yeah, you know, we've been thinking about this stuff. Why don't you come in the office and let's talk? I'm like, all right, great. And that was after how many phone calls? Like, Somewhere between eight and ten. Eight and ten. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's research that says you have to, like, contact people, like, seven times before it's, you actually get there. It takes so much time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I finally got that meeting with them, and I walked in. I just came in with an iPad. I'm like, yeah, we'll probably just talk for, like, 15 minutes. Just, I'm kind of a good go-with-the-flow guy, but just be try to be prepared for anything. Mm -hmm. And we ended up having a meeting with like their whole company for like three hours. Three hours. I fortunately had like the drone in my truck. They're all oh, bring it in. We want to see it. Like, let's That's see cool. how this thing works. Yeah. It was just a really good conversation. And it was, I've really loved that client a lot. Um, uh, we've had just like a really good relationship. And even from that first time, um, I feel like maybe I was able to teach them a little bit of stuff, but they were also able to teach me. So like we went through what I call like, like my, my sample reports, like a report of a thermal roof scan. And he kind of like, oh, you know, from a legal perspective, you might want to revise some of this language to be like this to kind of protect yourself. And I was like, mm. wow, these guys are awesome. Yeah. So they I'm glad I called them 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool that you're like pitching them, but they're also kind of helping you be like, hey, in the industry, you might want to do X, Y, Z. I'm sure that helped you out a lot in the future. Yeah. So... We have, I have a great relationship with them. They're one of those clients. I probably do two or three projects a year for them, okay. but that's why it makes sense because they don't utilize it enough to justify that expensive cost 
to get into doing it themselves. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's a nice sweet spot for companies that they don't do it all the time or they want to bring it in-house, but they still need someone, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you get enough of those, it probably keeps you busy all the time, Exactly. Right? So I need like 100 of those clients. <laughs> yeah. Well, because now, I mean, from what we've talked, it sounds like, I know you do projects in different areas of the country, and it sounds like you do utilize other pilots from time to time just because either the volume of projects or in the project, the amount of work that there is. Um, so talk about when did you get from going from doing everything yourself to like in, you know, having to hire some of it out and get help with it? All right, so um, we cleared 75 of the first year. We paid off the credit card. And then year two, uh, we made 150 in revenue. So I was able to double from one year to the next. And you already had the, the drone paid off at that point. Yeah, drone yeah. was paid off. So then it was a lot of uh, investing in marketing and I did a lot of like events, like set up a booth and go network at like this, the industries that I want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, now real quick, when you say invest in marketing, what does that look like? Yeah, I tried using an online marketing guy for a while to help me build SEO. Guy was... Didn't go well. Nah, I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it. I did the same thing with, with our company. <laughs> I, I paid a nice monthly fee. And I think he just sent me some keywords to target, and I was about it. And I think I paid like seventeen hundred dollars. And I was like, "What am I? What is? What did I pay for?" Yeah. So be careful when you're. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for a little bit. Um, I do. I invested in like setting up like a booth. So like okay. you know, with so like like expo banners. Yeah, expos, a tablecloth. Took my drones out there, made a bunch of flyers, cool. and. Uh, I usually go to maybe like six of those a year now in okay. like the different industries. How much does this cost for like a booth at each one? Anywhere, oh man, the cheapest one I've done was like 300 bucks, which was awesome. That's great. And then they get upwards like, most of them are probably 1800 bucks I think. Okay. For a booth. It's not bad. I mean we did okay. one, we did Interdrone one year and it was like three grand for us, the yeah. smallest booth. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, what, 1800 is not bad. I know there's a lot of them that get a lot more expensive, yeah. and I just haven't gotten into those. Okay. My marketing budget's kind of not that big. A few hundred to low thousands per one. You do mm-hmm. like six a year, you said. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, like travel costs and whining and dining and all that stuff you can sure? add up. Yeah. And it's kind of looped into like that marketing budget for gotcha. me. Okay. So. so in that second year when you did like 150, is that when you started getting other people to help you do jobs, or are you still doing everything yourself at that point? Um, yeah, I did start utilizing some contractors minimally. It wasn't till last year. I'm a little slow to adapt to things. My, my personality, because I didn't really ever grow up with much money, I'm a DIY kind of guy. So like, I do all my own truck maintenance, I do all my own boat maintenance. If I got plumbing issues at the house, I'm getting my own little router, I'm gonna figure that out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that can, I mean, that can be helpful and pay off. Yeah, it can be good, especially when you don't have money, but you got, I, I'm to this point, and I've been to this point in the last year in business to where it's like, I cannot do everything myself. So you gotta think through all of the different tasks that the business has and figure out what you can contract out at an affordable rate to still be able to grow your business and right. sustain financially right. and and actually do it. And not just do it, but find people you can rely on and count on and trust and train to do it right. right. Um, so I was gonna actually hire somebody full-time right before COVID hit. 
glad that didn't work out because mm. revenue sucked for like two months. It was yeah. like almost zero revenue, <laughs> like everyone probably. Yeah, the world just kind of stopped. Yeah. Um, so I think that kind of worked out in my favor. And I would use contractors that have their own drone equipment there for a little bit to do some of the smaller jobs, but I still always did the thermal roof scans and stuff myself because okay. they're lucrative enough. It made sense for me to travel. But like this last year was, um, we did a, just shy of like 200 this last year. Mm -hmm. And it would have been more if we had revenue around COVID. Yeah. So, which is encouraging. My goal this year too was to flip from being like 40% like creative drone work to mm -hmm. and 40% creative and 60% inspection to being more like 90% inspection. So yeah. Corona helped me with that because the creative market just died because mm -hmm. like everybody, nobody just felt comfortable going out and doing those projects yeah. right now. So. Well, this was going to ask, you know, you talked a lot the, about the, um, well, I guess two questions. You talk about doing the thermal roof scans. Um, sounds like that's kind of like your bread and butter, mm -hmm. so to speak. So I guess the first question would be, I don't know if there is a typical you know, thermal roof scan job, but let's say, I don't know if you can pick a certain size building or size project. Like what's the price range that you can charge for something like that? I know you have to have you know, 30 or 40 grand worth of equipment. Probably. Yeah, so pricing is anywhere from 2,000 to 15,000, I think. The biggest roof we did was 1.2 million square feet, and I think we charged. Uh, I think we charged. I worked with another thermographer on it. We partnered on it because it was so big, and I think we charged him like twenty-two thousand dollars. Okay, so like a real big job, like yeah. you know, five figures. Yeah, 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 definitely. Cool. Um, I guess, and then the other question I had was like, so what are the other jobs that you've done outside of the thermal? Sound like you still do some creative type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know we've talked in the past, you had like a, a wildlife survey too. I think people might be interested in that. So maybe yeah. talk about some of the other stuff you've done even outside of the thermal roof scan. All right, well, so like when I first got into it, I was throwing like a cast net and I just take anything. Take it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's honestly what most people do because they don't, they don't necessarily maybe have a specific expertise. So they just think, well, I'll just do anything anybody will give me. Um, so. So yeah, I mean, anyways, I think that's, so go ahead, you were doing anything. Yeah, so I would take anything. So jobs that we were involved in was anywhere from doing, uh, helping uh, smaller roofing companies do marketing. So like taking pictures of their construction progress or finalized products when they do a new roof installation. Mm -hmm. um, I still do a lot of car dealership work. Okay. Uh, that client's been the biggest client that I've had. They found me early on and um, I do all of their drone work. It's a big ad agency up in Pennsylvania and they travel all over the country between Florida, Texas, California, Pennsylvania, doing car dealership cars. commercials. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that why they all look the same? That's why they all look the same, I guess. <laughs> but they do really good work. And, uh, so, so that's another thing that we've done. So you do the drone work for car dealership commercials? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Would you fly that or you sub that stuff out? I do that. Okay. I kind of got in my own head that people hire me for creative work because of me, not because of the business. Yeah. So like, I like to do a lot of the creative stuff myself and then the reason I want to do the inspection stuff is because that's a scalable model that people aren't hiring me for me. They're hiring the business product. for the service and product that we can provide. Yeah. Okay. So like you might be flying a drone and capture something totally different than what I would see for creative stuff. Yeah. But the inspection stuff is I literally have a system you follow and 
it creates results. It's a little more like objective. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, so other stuff we did was uh, we did a lot of aerial mapping with a couple small land surveyors and then I found out a lot of the bigger surveyor firms were getting their own drones because they were using it so much it made more sense. Gotcha. Um, we did a lot of construction progress stuff, but I don't know if it was the clients that we ended up landing, but they were, it was just difficult to work with for not a lot of money. Okay. It's just a headache. Now for that, are you taking, are you doing mapping stuff or are you just taking pictures? Just take like 12 to 15 pictures of progress of construction sites every month or so for 12 to 15 months usually, mm -hmm. commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. um, and that was good because it creates a little consistent revenue, uh, but I, I don't get a lot of it. I, I guess I just didn't really decide to continue focusing on it. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, some other things we've done. Yeah, so the wildlife survey stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. So like Texas, big hunting, right? Mm -hmm. Texas. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of folks have private land out there, and I know the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, they do a lot of uh, wildlife counts and surveys to try and understand populations on properties. Mm. So at first it was kind of an idea, I was like, I don't know how well it can really work, but like, let's think about using drones with thermal imaging to do like wildlife counts. Mm. And honestly, it's, uh, it's been interesting. Um, I've so did you just come up with this idea or did somebody approach you about it? Um, honestly, I don't remember. It might have been a combination. Like I hunt, I like to hunt. I yeah. like to be out in the country and stuff. But it wasn't and like a random like like to... Department of Wildlife came to you and said, "Hey, can not you initially." No, it was it would have been more conversations with private landowners. Okay. Like we would use the drone to go hog hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so then it was like, oh man, I wonder what else we could do with this, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. So it turned into like, hey, I talked to a couple buddies who have land, and hey, let me do like a wildlife survey for you for free. Let me just kind of play around with this and see what we can come up with and. Mm -hmm. And after studying it, I don't want to get too far into it because it's a whole other conversation, mm -hmm. but I thought there was maybe some application depending on the situation. It has to be a very specific opportunity mm -hmm. for it to work efficiently. And so I did it a couple times for free, and then I put one page on the website with a video, and I was like, oh, let's just see what happens. And I started getting phone calls from like Corps of Engineers in Pennsylvania and these townships. So they just found your website and they saw that you did this service yeah. and they started calling you. Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, you know what, let's, let's get paid to learn. I was going to say, I bet you're the only, only people ranking online for drone wildlife surveys. Must maybe. be. I don't know why, okay. but it, people just found me. So okay. like, I landed the biggest contract I've ever gotten for the Corps of Engineers in Pennsylvania, which equated to probably the most challenging project I've ever taken on, mm -hmm. on so many levels. And we, I, you know, I had probably done maybe like eight to 10 smaller surveys before mm -hmm. up to like maybe 5,000 acres. This property was 21,000 acres. <laughs> so it was a really big job to take on. And uh, I had a contractor that helped me a little bit in the field. And then I had a contractor that helped me a lot with the office work. And we put in a lot of time on that project. Mm -hmm. What was the, I know it was a ton of work, but like, what was the, like you said it was the biggest contract you ever landed. Like how big was it? It was a little over 35000 Okay, awesome. But you had to bring in other people, and I think you said yeah. it was like at least weeks worth of work, right? Months, Months. even. Yeah. So like this survey, it was a three-stage survey. So we did the, th the survey three times. So the first one was before hunting season. Yeah. We did all 21000 And then during hunting season, they selected 
half of the property, so around um, 10,500 to 11,000 acres. Mm -hmm. That was the second survey. And then the third survey was the whole property again. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to understand a couple different things. One, what did their populations look like before, during, and after? And then two, where do the deer go during hunting season? So like, right, you're getting getting shot out, you're getting pressured, you're gonna right. move, right? Yeah. What are they doing? So that was kind of the whole idea of the survey. And you know, the Corps of Engineers, they manage this big property, um, the forestry division and everything, and they wanna make sure everything's healthy and they've got, you know, like the wasting disease, chronic wasting disease is an issue in deer up there. So they just wanna manage things. And like, this is part of their process that they try to do every like three to five years. Hmm. Okay. And utilizing a drone was a new idea for them. Traditionally, they would do it with a helicopter. Mm. And I'm on the fence as to whether or not the helicopter is still probably a more advantageous tool because of the size and challenge of that project. Yeah. But I will have another conversation with them soon because we've finalized and delivered everything on the project. Oh, cool. And we've got a meeting, I think, next week to talk about that more awesome. and get their perspective and share mine and just see what we think. Yeah, now was it cheaper to use a drone than the helicopter? Like, why did they end up going with a drone over what they'd been doing? Um, Besides just thinking they initially cool. said that their original contractor that they used for it before was no longer doing it anymore. Oh, okay. And they wanted to explore this idea. Um, I priced it the same as the helicopter, but because of how much goes into like the office and deliverable side, yeah. I needed to charge a lot more for how much time was involved. A so, lot more than you did charge or a lot more getting to what you charge a lot more than i did charge oh, okay so like maybe like pretty close to it so we had three weeks of time in the field two people team mm -hmm. um honestly like what we charged probably should have paid for mostly just the field work gotcha. plus the travel expenses plus some of the office work we put if we had a week in the field, we had two weeks in the office doing the reporting mm. and putting everything together. It was a really cool deliverable, but it's just a lot more time than I anticipated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a learning curve. Yeah, that's really cool though. But I mean, it's just another way you mean you have that cool tool that you can use the drone with all that you spent money on it. So it's different ways to utilize. It. I think yeah. that's awesome. Um, well, I don't want to go too long. I know I've like taken up a lot of a lot of time. This is a little longer than we normally go, but I just kind of wanted to keep digging into stories because uh, you know a lot there. You'll get as many. <laughs> guests on the show that have this kind of experience and background stuff. So maybe I'll have to have you on for like a part two and dive into more Let's do it, man. Like 2021 stuff. So be awesome. Um, cool. Well, anyways, thanks for coming on. Um, where can people find out more about you if they want to, you know, dig into your website or anything about you? Sure. So uh, website is tarilloview.com, T-A-R-I-L-L-O, and then V is in Victor, U-E.com. Okay. made it really confusing, I know. <laughs> so torillaview.com, you can kind of check us out, see like some of the services that we offer. Um, now, do, you have well, so, do you do any social media stuff? Yeah, mostly what I do is LinkedIn. Honestly, I've been really busy and I've neglected social media, but we're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, where you would see me more active is definitely on LinkedIn. Okay. So. Well, it sounds like it's working out okay for you not to do that, <laughs> given the nature of the work you're doing. So, um, cool. Now, on LinkedIn, are you just Jeff Carrillo, or yeah. is your company Jeff on Carrillo, there? Yeah. Okay. Jeff Carrillo, yeah. Jeff Carrillo, C-A-R-R-I-L-L-O. I will link up your website and at least your LinkedIn page if those awesome. are the places that you're at most yeah. cool. So, 
Well, thanks, Jeff, for coming on in. Again, we'll have to have you. I, I want to get into more stories, but, you know, I feel like we're already, this is like the longest we normally go. Part two. We'll do, definitely do a part two. <laughs> um, so thanks for coming on in. Sure, man. Thanks. Peace. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to that episode with Jeff Carrillo. Hope you got a lot out of it and enjoyed it, learned a lot, uh, especially about the thermography and inspection side of uh, the drone business and the drone world. Um, next week, we got more great content coming up for you. We have 10 episodes in this season, so be sure to hang around for all of them. Um, if you're ever interested in any of what we do at Drone Launch, um, we make online courses to help you with drones and your drone business. So whether you're not, you want to start a drone business or uh, you just want to get your Part 107 license and use it in your existing line of work, we have um, several resources for the Part 107 preps. We have a video course with um, practice tests, quizzes, videos. Um, we've got flashcards you can do as an add-on, um, an ebook you can do as an add-on or buy them separately if you just want uh, a single resource. Um, and we have, so the ebook, the audiobook, and flashcards are all little separate add-ons. Um, there's actually some promos that we have you can email us about if you want to get that. We'll give it to you. Um, if you buy the video course, we'll give you the ebook, the audiobook, and the flashcards for free as a bonus. So that's something cool you can check out. Also, if you're interested in aerial photography or aerial video, cinematography, um, getting into the film video production side of things, check out our Aerial Video A to Z or Aerial Photo Pro courses. Uh, we have a course on roof inspections called Aerial Roof Inspection Pro. Then if you're interested in starting a drone business from scratch and doing some of what you've heard other people do on this podcast, we have a full program called um, Drone Business Mastery. It's a, actually a set or of a collection of courses on um, launching your website and building your online presence. Um, we have another one called Drone Business Back Office. It goes through all of the, um, the accounting, the insurance, the legal side of things, how to get all of that set up and set yourself up as a legit company. Um, that's taught by um, CPAs, insurance professionals. Um, our, and then we have another one called Landing Dream Drone Clients. Um, that course is taught entirely by six-figure drone business owners. Actually, Jeff Carrillo, who you heard from in this podcast, he's one of the instructors in that course. Um, they tell you the complete process of how they went about networking, finding clients, getting into the industries they're in, and they give you a framework on what they did to build their drone businesses um, from the client uh, acquisition side um, and getting people um, into their company and getting customers. Uh, and then finally, we have a course on paid advertising, so using Google Ads to get leads into your business. And with that course, um, we give you files with pre-done ads that you can download and import into your ads manager and you can start running ads immediately. And those have been built by the same guy that does all the advertising for Drone Launch Academy, who runs all of our paid ads. Um, so it's a collection of those courses, plus uh, we have an, another course we're adding on. Uh, it's about halfway done, it's called Drone Business Foundations, where it gives you the kind of pre-setup, um, planning, picking your niche, um, mindset, all this stuff that's actually really important when you go to dive into your drone business. So that's something you're interested in checking out. We should have um, sales pages for those courses um, live pretty soon. If you want to get in earlier, you can just email me, David at Drone Launch Academy, and someone from my team can get you um, hooked up with that. So. Sorry for the long promo pitch, but just wanted to let everyone know um, what we do in case you have never heard of it or you're wondering, hey, what is Drone Launch Academy? So there you go. Now you know if you're interested in any of that stuff, check it out. If you just want to keep listening to the podcast, that's great too. We're happy to have you here. Hope you're learning a lot. Take care and go fly some drones and stay safe.